you're tuned into the Chug LLP's podcast. We are a full-service legal, immigration, and tax firm with a global outlook. We partner with businesses to deliver innovative, customized solutions to their most pressing challenges. Join us as we tackle some pertinent issues. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Ariana Gonzalez, and I'm the Client Services Manager here at Chug Attorneys and CPAs. Please join me in welcoming partner and attorney Gladys Gervasio and senior paralegal Benjamin Fortuna from our Los Angeles office. Hi there, Gladys and Benjamin. Welcome. Hi, Ariana. Thank you for having us. We're very excited to discuss today's topic on H1B cap updates. You know, tips on filing H1B cap petitions and alternatives to the H1B cap now that it's closed. We're, we're happy to be here. We're so excited to discuss. So just a quick disclaimer before we begin, this conversation is for informational purposes only and it does not create an attorney-client relationship. So please email us your questions at info at and we'll be happy to help you out. Let's get started. Can you guys talk about the updates to the H-1B cap registration for the fiscal year of 2024? Uh, sure, Ariana. The, the H-1B cap season is certainly an exciting time for employers. On March 27, USCIS announced that it has received enough cap registrations for fiscal year 2024. The total number of cap registrations has not been disclosed at this time, but USCIS has confirmed that they completed the lotteries for the regular cap and master's cap, and that the annual quota has been met. Employers or their attorneys will need to log into their H-1B cap registration accounts to learn which of their beneficiaries were selected. That sounds like a wonderful update. I appreciate you sharing that, Ben. So after they log into their accounts, what can employers expect to see online now that cap registration season's over? So Ariana, the, the online system will show at least one of four statuses and the first one would be selected so the fortunate ones who have been selected and i say fortunate because the selection rate has been low this year and while uscis hasn't disclosed the official number of registrations that they received based on our experience the experience of our clients and the reports we're getting from other practitioners it's at the lowest selection rate and so if you're lucky to have been selected, the petitioners or the employers can file the H-1B cap petitions during the filing period of April 1st to June 30th. So that's for those that have been selected. Now, if you haven't been selected, the status will show submitted. This will change to not selected when USCIS announces that it has received enough cap petitions to meet the annual. 85,000 quota. And so we'll, it will remain in submitted status until USCIS makes that announcement. Sometimes the status will show denied, and these are for registrations where USCIS finds that there are multiple registrations for the same beneficiary filed by the same employer. And lastly, there's the invalidated status for failed payment. So if the payment was somehow puted, or rejected, then that is the status that will show online. 
That's great information, Gladys. So for those who didn't get accepted, congratulations. For those who didn't, we will be talking about alternatives later. So definitely stay tuned. So Gladys, a lot of employers and and beneficiaries are asking, is there going to be a second lottery? So it actually depends. It depends on uh, on the petitioners in the, the cases that will be filed. If USCIS receives it during this filing period of April 1st to June 30, if USCIS receives enough cap petitions, then that may possibly be it. And I say this because last year, USCIS conducted only one lottery. So what they did was there's an 85,000 cap and they selected more than that, about 127,000. And they already took into consideration cap petitions that would get denied or rejected or those uh, petitioners who would not proceed to file the petitions even if they were selected. If in prior years, though, I think it was in fiscal year 2021 and 2022, USCIS did conduct multiple lotteries. And so there's a lot of employers that are still hopeful and beneficiaries, of course, that are still hopeful that there will be subsequent lotteries. But if they implement the same system that they did last year, then they could just possibly just one lottery. So we're keeping our fingers crossed for a second lottery then. So what happens next if employers do see that a beneficiary's registration has been selected? Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, As Gladys mentioned, uh, the employers can proceed to file their H-1B petitions during the filing period of April 1st until June 30th. Premium processing service is also available. The cap petitions must be properly filed at the correct service center as indicated in the selection notice during the filing period. It should include the correct filing fees. Online filing is not available for H-1B petitions, so petitioners should still mail their paper H-1B petitions to USCIS. The petition should include the corresponding selection notice and their CAP petitions. Of course, when, when filing the H-1B CAP petitions, petitioners should be able to establish eligibility for the H-1B visa and meet the requirements such as position offered must be a specialty occupation, beneficiaries qualified for the position, and have a certified LCA with correct information, among other requirements. Once the H-1B petition is filed, USCIS issues a receipt notice. Now, due to the high volume of cases filed during the H-1B cap filing period, issuance of the receipt notices may be delayed. That's great information, Ben. So what should employers be mindful of when submitting their H-1B cap petitions? Gladys, do you have any info on that? Ariana, so there are several things that employers should remember when filing these H-1B cap petitions. And I must premise this by saying that the H-1B process is, is not a simple process. And for these cap petitions, timing is crucial. And I say this because USCIS gives us a filing period of April 1st and June 3rd. If for some reason the, the, the cap petition is not received within this time frame, then it's game over for the for the employer. And USCIS has been quite strict with this filing period. You know, in the past they would accept, but now even if it's not the pet- petitioner's fault or the beneficiary's fault, for some reason FedEx doesn't deliver your petition on time, they still, USCIS did not accept these cases. So it's important to prepare the packet carefully 
And so there are a few reminders where, which Benjamin had already discussed a few of them. And these would include, you know, including a copy of the selection notice in the capetition, making sure that the registration number is indicated at I-129H of the form, and then make sure that the petition goes to the correct service center. The selection notice would indicate the actual service center where your capetition should go to. And then for this round of filing, the start date should be October 1st. So this is important too. And then ensure that the info that you provide, you provided during the registration process is consistent with the information you're now providing in the CAP petition. If there are discrepancies, provide an explanation. Let's say there was a typo in the date of birth during the registration process, then, then explain it in the CAP petition. It's also important to carefully read the selection notice. Now, there, during the registration process, there are some beneficiaries who were registered under the master's cap, which means the, to the question, is the beneficiary eligible for the master's cap advanced degree exemption? And you answer yes to that. But the selection notice will show that you were selected in the regular cap. Then the petition should indicate that you're filing it under the regular. Now for the new employers, and this is important, the USCIS uses the VIBE program. So VIBE is short for Validation Instrument for Business Enterprises. And this is the, and Dun and Bradstreet is the information provider for this VIBE program. And USCIS uses the information available, publicly available information to verify whether the information you provided in your CAP edition are consistent with the information that they see in their VIBE program. So it's important that petitioners, particularly new petitioners, should register um, with Dun and Bradstreet to provide accurate information. And now for existing petitioners, it would also be good to make sure that the information there are up to date because we've seen RFEs on this, like if some information are you know, not not consistent with what's in the petition, USCIS will likely issue an That's some great insight, Gladys. So definitely make sure if you're filing the H-1B petitions to make sure you have all of the necessary documentation. You're make, making sure that your profile is up to date on Dun & Bradstreet. Thank you so much for sharing that insight, Gladys. So now that the CAP registration period is over, and the initial selection process has been completed. Are there any other ways for employers to bring in foreign talent? Do you guys have any insight on that? Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. There are several uh, visa categories that employers can consider when looking to hire for foreign talent. The first alternative is the L1 visa, which is for intra-company transferees who are executives, managers, or employees with special, specialized knowledge. This visa allows multinational companies to transfer employees from their foreign office to their U.S. office. The U.S. and foreign entities must have a qualifying relationship as a parent, subsidiary, affiliate, or branch office. And the employee must have been employed in the foreign entity for at least one year prior to the filing the L-1 petition. The L-1A is for managers and executives and the L-1B is for specialized knowledge. Another alternative is the O-1 visa, which is for individuals with extraordinary ability or achievements in science, arts, 
education, business, or athletics. This visa requires an individual to demonstrate their extraordinary ability or achievement by providing evidence such as awards, publications, and media coverage, among others. The requirement for an O-1 visa can be the subject of another FB Live session. Those are some great insights, Ben. So just a quick disclaimer, we are talking about the H-1B cap registration, the fiscal year of 2024, any new updates and changes that are happening that might impact you or your business. Also, we are talking about alternatives to the H-1B now that the cap registration is over. And this conversation is for informational purposes only. It does not create an attorney-client relationship. So please email us any questions you have at info at chook.com and we'll be happy to help you out. So Ben, you talked a little bit about the L-1 and O-1 visas. I appreciate you sharing the details on that. So are there any other visas that employers can use to bring in foreign workers? Yeah, okay. The TN visa is another alternative, which is a visa category created under the North American Free Trade Agreement, the NAFTA, and is available to Canadian and Mexican citizens who are professionals in certain occupations. This visa category is similar to the H-1B visa but has less stringent requirements. The E-3 visa is another alternative similar to the H-1B. This is for Australian nationals. H-1B1, which is reserved for Chile and Singapore nationals. The cap is never rich for this, so this is also an available alternative for employers. Great. That's amazing to know that there are definitely several visa categories that employers can consider aside from the H-1B cap. That's that's true, Ariana. I mean, and let's not overlook the cap-exempt cases as well. I know the H-1B cap is now, the registration process is done. Um, USCIS has selected, but we should also look into alternatives such as the H-1B cap exempt cases. For instance, you have the petitioners who are actually considered as cap exempt entities, and you have the beneficiaries who have previously held H-1B status in the U.S. and they have not used up the maximum six years of H-1B status in the U.S. So employers can self-file H-1B cap exempt petitions for them. You know, back in January 2017, the Department of Homeland Security issued the final rule on EB cases for immigrant workers and clarified a lot of things about these cap exempt entities and the recapturing time for those who have previously held H-1B status. And so for the cap, the cap exempt entities are the institutions of higher education or nonprofit entities that are related to or affiliated with the institutions of higher education. Now, the definition of affiliated with and related to, I mean, that requires a further analysis. And then you have the government research organizations and the nonprofit research organizations. So these are the cap exempt entities who can file H-1B petitions at any time. Then you also have the concurrent employment. So if beneficiary is employed by this cap exempt entities, a cap subject employer can actually file a petition, a concurrent H-1B petition for this employee, provided that the employment period does not exceed the validity period of the cap exempt employment. And then for the beneficiaries who have 
previously held H-1B status, USCIS clarified in that final rule that, you know, even if you've previously held status from 10 years ago, if you haven't used up that the six years, the, a, a petitioner can file a cap exempt petition for you to recapture the remaining time on H-1B. So that's great to know, Gladys. There's certainly a lot of alternatives from an employer to bring in foreign talent. I appreciate you covering all of those different alternatives. Benjamin, do you have any comments on that? Yes, employers will always have options available. And what we discuss are the non-immigrant visa options. An employer can also sponsor foreign employees under the immigrant visa categories, which will allow these employees to obtain green cards in the U.S., but we'll also need another session to discuss the immigrant EB, visa categories. Thanks for those insights, Ben. Do you guys have any other updates, um, immigration updates, any updates to the April 2023 visa bulletin that you guys want to cover? Are there any immigration updates that we might want to cover? Sure, Ariana. So we have the April 2023 visa bulletin. And, you know, it's uh, not the best news. <laughs> For a lot of the of the those waiting for their priority dates to become current, so EB two retrogressed retrogresses in April for all countries except China, and then EB three China will advance, and then USCIS also announced that for EB adjustment of of status cases, they will honor the final action dates chart which is a change from the previous months where they said they will honor the dates for filing chart. And then there's also the F2A category. I know this is family-based, but some of our EB2 cases are affected by this because when EB2 retrogressed, some family members, the dependents, were left behind and they filed F2A cases so that their family members can can get their green cards. But now that the F2A final action date has retrogressed, then they're also affected by it. The, but USCIS said for family-based cases, they will still honor the, the dates for filing. So it's still current for filing, but not current under the final action dates. Those are some really important updates on the EBVs of those and the F2As. I appreciate you covering those from the April 2023 Visa Bulletin. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts that you want to leave us with regarding the H1B cap season now that it's over? Anything that you guys want to leave employers with? Any last words on what they can do to make sure that they um, follow through with the process properly if they do get a second chance at the lottery? Any final words? Sure, Ariana. So... The H-1B, as I said earlier, it's not a simple process. There's a lot of nuances. I know some employers opted to do the registration process on their own, and that was and that was fine. But I would say when it comes to actually filing the H-1B petition, you you want to entrust this to your trusted immigration professionals. You need, you know, imagine having hurdled you gone through and hurdled the lottery and only for your H-1B cap petition to be denied or rejected. That's, you know, wasted time, resources, money, plus more importantly, lost opportunity to bring in foreign talent that's crucial to your business. And so I think I can't overemphasize the need to that the H-1B petition has to be prepared by someone with solid 
you know, understanding of the H1B requirements and the processes. Now, if you weren't selected in the lottery, that's fine too, because we have all these alternatives that Benjamin um, discussed earlier. That's such valuable information, Gladys. So definitely make sure you're talking to your immigration professionals. If you are going through this process, it is a complicated, complex process, and we want to make sure we do everything properly. So make sure you're talking to your immigration professionals. This does bring us to the end of our conversation. And if you have any questions or suggestions, please send us an email at info@chub.com, and we'll be happy to help you out. Until next time, stay safe and take care. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our work, please visit our websites at www.chug.com for legal and immigration and www.chug.net for tax. Be sure to subscribe to get regular business insights from the Chug LLP team. 